Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR, community radio 855 kilohertz on your AM dial. I'm Anne and I'd like to, as usual, acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits people-powered radio. We would like to pay our respects to elders past and present and to acknowledge that the land was never ceded. This week on the Living Free Show, our guest is Luke Anderson. Uh, Welcome, Luke. Uh, Luke is part of the Youth Support and Advocacy Service, an organisation that provides alcohol and drug treatment for 12 to 21-year-olds. Just switch your mic on, I think, here. It might help. There we go. (laughs) Welcome, Luke. I'll say welcome again so you can say hello to everyone. Thanks, Anne. Yeah, thanks for having me on. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, so uh, Luke's a youth support worker. The Youth Support and Advocacy Service um, supports young people's mental health and assists them to participate meaningfully in their communities. Um, uh, Luke's role is uh, in the alcohol and drug part of that. Um, So, Luke, can you tell us a little bit about the role of YSAS? Is that what we say, YSAS? Yeah, yeah, so YSAS, yeah. And helping young people free themselves from um, the harmful effects of drug and alcohol dependency. Yeah, of course. Um, Just a quick background for me. Um, I've probably been working for YSAS for about a year and a half now. Um, I work currently at... Um, one of the long-term rehabs. Um, I've been working there for, yes, about a year and a half. And then more recently in the past few months, I've started to um, work at one of the detox services. Um, And it's been really good to be able to see both sides of the story um, and just like the journey that people go through. Um, It's been a great, Mm. great few months working at the other, the other, at the detox, sorry, um, as well as the rehab. Right. Tell us a little bit about the differences between the detox and the rehab for young people. Yeah. Um, so the rehab, I guess, is more of a long-term um, rehabilitation process. So the program usually runs for about three months. Um, and that's that's Monday to Friday. Um, so obviously the young people live there at the time full-time um, with leaves and stuff like that, um, usually on the weekends, but they're mainly at the rehab. Um, and yeah, so it's a Monday to Friday from about, uh, I think it's nine in the morning till four, there is program run all day. So it's like, you know, different types of classes, activities, all sorts of stuff. Um, and then the weekends is just free time. Um, and I should highlight that the rehab has much more rules than the detox. Um, just to be, I guess, which just makes sense given where people's minds are usually at in the two different periods. Um, and the detox, yeah just to talk about that it's much more free in terms of um what you can and can't do there there is a program um but it runs much more flexible because people are on obviously they're coming off drugs could be for long-term use short-term use um so time and stuff like that is kind of everywhere for a lot of people um and sleeping and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff like timing is just really difficult um so it's much more laid back in that in that aspect but there are still like 
programs they get run and people, the workers there do talk about, you know, have classes and stuff like that. Um, but it is much more loose and the, the freedoms that you have there, there are more of them, I guess. And it's, um, yeah, very different. I would say both, both the rehab and the, the detox. Mm-hmm. Okay. And tell us, uh, specifically about your role. What do you do? So my role, um, I would say is mainly just to build rapport with the young people. So, um, I'm a casual at both places and usually am doing um, sort of the after hours work. So after hours being after nine to five um, and it's mostly just spending time with them during their downtime. So like um, recently at the rehab, I've been playing a lot of pool and like table tennis and like watching TV with them. Um, And personally, I love it because it's really when you get to have like proper conversations and like actually build relationships with people Um, and then because of that, I feel like, um, we became, we become, uh, when I say we, I'm referring to like the casuals who I guess work those after hours, we become kind of their main sort of advocates in the, in the service because we, as I said, are spending the most time with them and relaying that to the, I guess the more management and senior staff who do a lot more of like, um, the work in terms of like, you know, organizing their, um, organizing their rehab you know, looking at housing options and like that sort of stuff. That's not really part of my job as much. Like I can relay information and that's kind of it. Um, but other than that, it's like, you know, offering immediate care if people are in like, you know, mental distress or what, what have you, mm. um, sorting out situations of people are having arguments, which does happen from time to time, like just being, yeah, kind of just being present. Um, and also like doing housekeeping stuff, like, you know, cooking dinner, making sure that they're all eating, you know, reminding them to drink water, just being like, um, I would say just being a generally good friend. That's kind of what yep. I feel like my job is. Yep. And that might be a very important job for a young person at that point in their life. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think, um, and I obviously can't speak for everyone, but I think a lot of people coming in don't have that good um, social connections with like yep. a lot of people or at least um, healthy ones for what they want to achieve in yep. this point in their t- in their life. So I think trying to fulfill that role of like, and the role modeling, I guess, in a way, this is what like, you know, a good friend is going to do for you. Like, you know, a good friend is going to call you out if like, you know, you're being, you're doing something wrong or you're being bad or like whatever. Um, but then a good friend's also going to be there for you whenever you sort of need to yep. chat and like all that sort of stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And um, what led you to this work? Um, so I, I didn't necessarily think I would ever get into this type of work. I kind of just fell into it um, through just mutual interest with stuff, like just a few things connected. Um, And my interest in working in the drug and alcohol sector kind of started from, I guess, first lived experience. um, And I did my student placement a couple of years ago with the Pennington Institute. um, And they're also another drug and alcohol service. Um, they work largely in the um, safe injecting rooms. And I worked on a project about um, developing a safe sex toolkit for music festivals in Victoria. Um, and I, was, I felt so lucky because music is another passion of mine. And I felt so lucky that I got to work on a project that was so relevant. Um, and yeah, that was more policy related in terms of like looking at the context of a music festival and like developing something for safety reasons in the context of drugs and alcohol but that just really like got me super interested. And, you know, after 120 hours, I was like, wow, that was great. I want to mm. do more of yeah. that. Um, and then 
I think I, I was literally just out one night. I went to a nightclub um, and I ran into a very old friend and she, we were just chatting about work. I just told her about the Pennington Institute and she was like, oh, you know, we got this job um, available. You should apply. And I was like, yeah, that sounds amazing and applied. Mm. And that was it. Mm. And that's the direction your life took. Yeah, exactly. Alrighty. Uh, so now getting back into the work itself, can you talk a little bit about the sorts of um, situations that young people are in who, who approach um, YSAS or, or are referred there? Um, tell us a little bit about, about them, some, some cases. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so hmm, it does depend. Like a lot of people are in very different situations. Um, so I would say most common are people who have just had, you know, long stints of using drugs pretty heavily and they just require or they feel as if they require respite to some degree. So that would be where they might, you know, go to something like the Abbotsford Day Program, which is kind of like a walk-in service where um, workers can organise stuff for you. So like they could organise a stay at a detox or they can get in touch with like all sorts of different places to sort of get you moving in a direction that you feel like you want to go. Um, because obviously without having any resources, organising this stuff is very difficult, um, mm. as a lot of young people mm. are. Their resources are very, very limited, usually mm. aren't home a lot. So access to, like, you know, supportive environments is difficult. Mm. So, again, that's another great thing that YSS does. It sort of offers that immediate support when you need it. Mm. Um, but, um, so, yeah, I would say that's kind of the most common way people have just, yeah, had long stints of using drugs and they're just like, yeah, I want to like either just take a break or um, commit to abstinence. It really does depend. Um, some people are specifically at the um, the rehab where I work, the long-term one. Um, uh, it does happen sometimes people get bailed there um, from like youth detention or jail or what have you. Um that is like somewhat common, but doesn't happen a whole lot. Mm. Okay. Um, you mentioned there the day program. So for anyone listening out there that's interested in accessing any of these services, um, YSAS runs a day program um, out of Dandenong and another one out of Abbotsford. Um, and uh, they say that this is a, a, a kind of place where a young person can just drop in if they need a, a drop-in space. Um, it's good for, for people that are not engaged with uh, school or work. Um, and uh, they might have housing issues or something, so they can go drop into the the day centre and get get pointed in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, alrighty. Uh, so the Living Free Show that we're on now is a program that focuses on recovery from addictive behaviours, um, and YSAS must see young people struggling um, with uh, problem behaviours around drugs and alcohol that have got got out of hand. Um, and, but these are in the context of other problems. Can you tell us a little bit about the circumstances that a young person might find themselves in be- before they get to YSAS? Yeah, so um, I think for for a lot of people, it seems that um, home life gets to a point where they can't really live there or they're really not living there. So whether that is because of their own their own issues with their parents or their siblings or what have you or whoever they live with um, or if it's sort of imposed, I guess, from parents or other siblings and stuff like that. That seems to be a pretty common thing that I notice, um, that living at home becomes really difficult, um, which leads to obviously not living at home 
couch surfing and stuff like that. Um, and just being in those like way more vulnerable environments probably leads to, yeah, more drug use and like just being in more dangerous situations. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, getting to a point where it's like, okay, I want to feel safe. I think a lot of people come to YSAS feeling like that. Like they just want something like the detox, for example, it really is a super comfortable space that people can just spend. I think it's upwards of two weeks with like, you know, an option to extend. Um, but it's just a really good reset. Yeah. yeah. Are you getting a lot of uh, kids coming in that are actually, they've got nowhere to sleep and uh, and they've got to that point and they've just got nowhere else to turn? Is that? Yeah, that does happen. Um, yeah, somewhat regularly. Mm. There are people who are yeah considered homeless because mm. um, living at home isn't an option. Mm. Um, yep. Yeah. Mm. All right. So there's um, also outreach programs running out of um, Abbotsford, Gippsland, Ringwood, Bendigo, Dandenong, Frankston, Mornings Peninsula, Sunshine and uh, Preston. Uh, this is this is mainly for people uh, 12 to 21 years old. Um, Luke, can you tell us a little bit about um, how the outreach system works? Yeah, so um, uh, I personally have no experience in the outreach program, but obviously I've, um, I've had contact with the outreach workers in the past. Mm. And essentially... They're kind of like a case manager in that aspect of they're organising, um, like, for example, they'll be organising when your detox day will be. So say that the outreach worker might contact um, the detox and be like, hey, we need a bed for this person. The detox will organise their thing and then that kind of gets done for the young person. So mm. the young person doesn't really have to... Um, I guess, spend time organising this sort of stuff. It gets done for them because mm. once they're in the service, it is much easier because there's a, a lot more workers around to, like, you know, share the load. Um, but, yeah, outreach workers um, and once – sorry, I'll go back. Once they're sort of in the service, the outreach worker um, the role doesn't really stop. Um, they, so they continue to look for housing options. To, it, it does depend on, like, the um, the wants and needs of the client, obviously. Mm. But um, they continue to work with, like, you know – mental health services, yeah, as I said, housing options. Um, they kind of just act as like the, yeah, the case manager for the young person. Mm. And the young person gets to sort of hang out where they feel safe. They don't have to come to a, a place on public transport or get someone to take them there. Or yeah, something. exactly. So like a, um, a lot of outreach workers do um, take the clients to like particular um you know appointments if mm. they have like regular appointments yep. at this particular doctor somewhere mm. far away that the rehab or the detox i wasn't isn't able to take them to the outreach workers more yep. than likely going to take them to that yep yep okay um i think we'll have a break right now and we will uh play some music I'm playing music today from the underbelly cd for no particular reason at all and i'm just going to play you a little bit of the motels from the late seven, early 80s, I think. Um, and uh, this is the motels with total control. Stand fast 
If you or someone you care for is struggling with a mental illness or other disability and you need someone to talk to, you can call the Wellways Helpline. Wellways Helpline is a volunteer support and referral service that provides information to people experiencing mental health issues or other disabilities, as well as their family, friends and carers. We're here to talk if you are feeling socially isolated, seeking information about mental health or mental health services, or just need someone to talk to. As a peer-based service, everyone working at Wellways Helpline has a lived experience of mental health issues or disability. Wellways Helpline is a national service and operates Monday to Friday, 9am to 9pm, excluding public holidays. So if you're struggling yourself or are struggling to help someone else, please call Wellways Helpline on 1300 500. That's 1300 500. Wellways supports 3CR. Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. You're listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned to hear the rest of your 3CR podcast. Welcome back to the Living Free Show on 3CR 855 kilohertz on your AM radio dial and 3CR on digital radio. If you would like to listen to one of our many podcasts, then you can find us on your preferred podcast platform or just Google 3CR Living Free and check out our website. You can also contact us via phone, email or Twitter. We are talking today with Luke Anderson. Luke works with the Youth Support and Advocacy Service, helping young people and their families overcome problems associated with substance use. Um, can you just start, start us off here again, Luke, by just saying what help you do offer to families? If, if um, Yeah, if, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as I kind of mentioned before, a, a lot of people do have quite, um, I guess, jaded relationships with their families, which can um, obviously lead to... Um, I guess us not really doing much um, in terms of supporting that aspect of it um, because we're very much led by the client's wants and needs at the time. So if the client doesn't want us to contact their parents at all about if they're over 18, sorry, um, and they don't want us to contact their parents about how long, how well they're going, all that sort of stuff, um, we won't because they're adults and they can make that choice if they want to. 
Um, if they're under 18, there's obviously some obligations there to contact parents in certain situations. But it does kind of depend because um, like some people do want to have better relationships with their parents. So they're... Um, their key worker or their like their main worker, I guess, will do family, not necessarily therapy. That's probably not the right word, but they will do family sessions where family members, mom or dad or siblings or whatever, um, will come in and they will just have like, I guess, like a supervised hangout really. Um, and that has been like, I've seen that be super helpful for a lot of people. Like a lot of people, um, do get a lot out of it whilst they're at, the rehab um i'm more specifically talking about and some people their parents are quite involved um or their families sorry are quite involved and for a lot of people for a lot of young people their families are super important to them so um yeah i guess we we only do as much as what the client kind of wants from us i think we will never really step out of that Mm. and you know, if we see something that we need to help out with, we're not necessarily going to do that unless the client is going to push for that. Yep. Right. So it really is a youth or a youth oriented, um, uh, program. Can you talk a little bit about what you do? If you, if you know about this aspect of it to help young people get more engaged with their communities? Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess for me, there's not much like at least in in terms of my role, once they've left the the service, there's not really much contact from my perspective, um, from my experience, sorry. Obviously, their key workers and, like, m- managers and stuff like that will definitely be in touch with them. And, like, obviously, if they call the service, which they're more than welcome to, I can pick up the phone and talk to them. Um, but whilst they're um, at the rehab, um, I guess... I guess the way we encourage them to reconnect with their communities or potentially communities that they're going to be living in um, is once they've been there for a certain period of time, they will have freedoms to be able to go on leave. So like on the weekends and um, even during the week at times. Um, So I guess that's us, you know, encouraging them to, all right, if you want to go to the shopping center and meet up with a few mates, like do that, but you've got to, you know, contact us at these certain times to make sure that everything's going to plan. And it's like, we can structure it in some way. Obviously the young person has free will. And if they want to go away from their structure, they totally can. And there can be consequences for Mm. that occurring, Mm. um, for them and for us. Um, but I guess that's kind of really the only thing we can do in terms of allowing them to have the freedom to reconnect with that community Mm. in whatever ways that they want. Mm. Um, and then try and structure it in a way that we can sort of measure how they how well they did or like um communicate with them how was that experience but that's kind of it because yeah as i said it is very youth as sorry as you said it is very youth led and it is kind of up to them um what they do really ultimately mm. and what are you seeing in the residential um care area that you work in with um what kind of drugs are people um using and what sort of mental health issues are also uh, present at the time? Yeah. So, I mean, I think I would say that probably the most common drug is ice. Um, It's usually, and yeah, this is based purely on my experience, but it usually is like that's kind of the last drug that they have like used for a period of time before they want to go to rehab. Um, Obviously, alcohol and cannabis are super, super common as well. Heroin 
not so much common, but still like common enough. Um, but they're kind of probably, I would say like the main four that people do come to rehab for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And what sort of, um, what sort of mental health, um, what, what sort of mental state are they in? Yeah. So, um, at, at the rehab before they get there, they would have at least done two weeks to a month of a detox from all drugs. Um, except for, I guess, um, like over the counter prescribed mm. drugs, um, that assist with detoxing. So they're, by the time they get to the rehab, they're usually quite, um, quite settled. Um, sometimes not like that sometimes cannot be the case because obviously, you know, things happen in life and once they're coming off drugs, sometimes like, you know, more, more things come up than what they were, what they were expecting. Um, which can be yeah, obviously tricky. I think the first, the first two weeks at the rehab can be a really tricky time just in terms of you've completely detoxed at that point and you're kind of coming to terms with what like the, the sober you is, which can be, yeah, obviously it can be difficult for some people. Some people love it. They get this burst of energy mm. because it's like they've felt as good as they've felt in such a long time. Mm. Um, and it, yeah, it really is just different for, for everyone. Um, but in terms of like the mental health aspect of it, we at, at the rehab don't do a whole heap of specific work with it. Um, obviously I think, just being there is healthy for your mental health to some degree. Um, but in terms of like, we don't have like onsite counselors and stuff like that. Mm. We do sort of outsource a lot of that sort mm. of work and that gets done. Yeah. Primarily with their key key mm. worker or outreach worker. Mm. Mm. But what, what struggles are you actually seeing in the people that you, that you're working with? Yeah. Um, so one thing is timing. So I kind of touched on that before with like in terms of the detox, but, um, being, being, yeah, aware of like when to get up and like just sleeping at odd times. I noticed that that is something that's pretty common just, um, yeah, for, for understandable reasons, obviously. Um, tell me about those reasons for the, for the audience. Why, why does a young person, um, get that's using, um, drugs and alcohol, get their timing all mixed up? Yeah. Well, I think just generally speaking, drugs generally keep you awake longer than when you're not using drugs. Um, so, you know, people can go periods of time without sleeping and coming to a rehab where there's pretty strict wake up and sleeping times. Um, it just doesn't work for like a lot of people, especially in the first few weeks that they're there. Um, because yeah, obviously I think people, when they party, they're partying at night and they're staying up for like, you know, periods of time, um, and not really having much structure and then coming into a very structured, like I would say the rehab is a fairly structured environment, detox, not so much, but the rehab definitely like a very, very structured environment where timing is like really important. And there's a lot of like pressure from staff to, maintain that timing because there is an that is important I think um and that's I guess you know a lot of people come in with the with one of their goals being I want to have a job you know I want to have like a full-time or a part-time job and that is like a big part of it is like timing Mm. and a lot of people struggle with that Mm. um I noticed Lisa um just something else just came to my mind like uh I've noticed that eating sometimes is also a bit of a difficult thing um again in terms of eating at times where 
everyone else is eating and there is that um there is an importance placed on like that community aspect of things being like you know we eat together we clean up together and yeah Mm. so i do notice that some people do kind of struggle with that as well as just like eating you know specific foods like (laughs) vegetables aren't the biggest fan I i can say um which yeah can be understandable i guess for some people um but they yeah they're two that kind of spring to mind immediately yeah. in terms of like immediate behavioral struggles that i guess yes. that people have yeah. yeah and what about self-harm and and crime um is that a, a problem for people that come um it can be yeah so we're pretty supportive with both of those things um i guess i'll start with self-harm um for some people, self-harm is a coping mechanism. And, like, although it may, might not be, um, I guess, the best for, for a lot of people, for some people it really does work. And it's not really our place to say whether it is healthy or not because it just all depends on what it serves for the particular person. So, like, um, no one's going to get in trouble for self-harming at our workplace that's like not something that we would ever do um although it does depend on case-to-case basis so like if people have like um self-harmed in a pretty dangerous way in the past and there is history of that um we can sort of limit you know ways in which that could occur on site so like if they're asking for raises and all that sort of stuff we can sort of just monitor that um but also at the end of the day, people do need to, you know, shave. So that's something that we can't necessarily stop. So there is there is a bit of trust put into mm. the young people of like, well, if you if you want to do that and that's your coping me- mechanism, you are totally allowed to, but we will try and support you in whatever way we can to, um, I guess, think of other ways that we could potentially um, mm. achieve the same results that mm. are maybe not as harming physically on your body. Mm-hmm. And crime? And crime, yeah. So um, that is pretty pretty much um, exclusively helped with, like, their key worker. So um, for a lot of people, it's kind of just, like, um, the key worker will become the point of contact for people finding out court dates and, like, times and stuff like that. Um, and from time to time, um, workers will go and support. So say if the client has, like, a court date, they have to go in in person um, and they're required to have someone present with them. Sometimes like a family member is usually what they ask for, but in like the rehab sense, a worker will usually go with them just to support them during that time. Um, and that's kind of, that's kind of it. We just support them as as best we can, mm. um, with the tools that we have, mm. but that is, yeah, usually, usually done by their key worker, obviously, unless, um, stuff happens out of hours and like, you know, police, rock up or give calls and stuff uh, like that, yeah. then it's like kind of onto the staff. But there are sure. – there's usually you'll have knowledge of what people are currently going through and it does make it um, – you're not really going in blind, I guess, in regards to their, you know, legal situation. situation yeah. 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 Uh, getting back to sort of addictive and co- compulsive behaviours, my experience is in 12-step programs where they often talk about hitting rock bottom. Uh, they often talk about the gift of desperation. You know, they had to get desperate enough to – to um, get rid of the, the drugs. But I, I know that you've got a and an alcohol. I know you've got a, a harm minimization approach, which is not necessarily – it's not the same as an abstinence approach. Mm-hmm. So but in the 12-step programs, though, there's this idea that there's a crisis point you, you have to hit. 
The other thing is that um, YSAS is into early intervention. Do you think that that young people are desperate enough to want help at some of the time or are some not ready for help? Yeah, so mm, I would say I have seen it in the past. Like in my experience, I have seen people who have hit their idea of rock bottom and they're super committed, like they're really committed. They come in with clear plans. Um, Sure, stuff goes long along the way, but like, I have seen it in the past where there's like um, a happy outcome in the end. Um, but then, yeah, it does happen pretty regularly, regular, regularly that people come in maybe not completely committed and maybe not necessarily um, ready for like a long-term rehab because, um, yeah, for a number of reasons. I think, I think some people um, more or less want to break rather than going for, yeah, as you say, an abstinence approach. Um, which I should add that not everyone who comes in wants to have an abstinence approach. Like some people just want to have a healthier relationship with their drugs that they choose to use. Um, and that is, yeah, we can support them with that. I think we don't push any sort of, um, ideas around what we think people should and shouldn't Mm. be able to, Mm. you know, use uh, after their stay at Birubi because yeah. Yep. People have their free will. Yeah, just talk about Birubi again. Just t- tell us where it is. Yeah, so it's um it's in Eltham. Obviously, I can't tell you exactly where it is, um, but it's on this beautiful big property. Um, there's lots of animals there. Yeah, it's super nice. There's um yeah big rec room, computer room, office, lounge room. This huge fireplace. It's a really really beautiful. I think it's a heritage listed um site. It's um it's super nice. I love working mm. out there. It's so peaceful. Mm. Okay, thanks for that. We'll, we'll go to another song now. This is another song from uh, back in the day. It's uh, Joe Camilleri when he used to be with JoJo Zepp and the Falcons, um, and it's Hit and Run.
Have you had your COVID-19 booster vaccine? The Murdoch Children's Research Institute, located at Royal Children's Hospital, are looking for people aged 18 years or older who have not yet received a COVID-19 booster vaccine to participate in the COVID-19 booster trial. You will either be given a standard or reduced dose Pfizer or Moderna booster and you will receive your antibody test results. For more information, contact covid.booster at mcri.edu.au. The Murdoch Children's Research Institute is a 3CR supporter. Get lost in science. Tune in to 3CR every week to hear Beth. Chris and Stuart discuss news and issues from the universe that is science. Get informed and learn a bit more about the world around you. Lost in Science can be heard every Thursday at 8.30 in the morning and is repeated the following Tuesday at 6am. Word to the nerd. You can also download a podcast. Go to the website at www.3cr.org.au and get lost in science. This is a Living Free Show on 3CR Digital Radio, live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. And we're talking with Luke Anderson of the Youth Support and Advocacy Service about helping teenagers and young adults with problems related to alcohol and drug use. Uh, Luke, what do you see as the strengths of the YSAS approach in helping people with addictive behaviours? Um. Yeah, so I think one of the main strengths, and we're kind of touching on it before about it being very client, um, I guess, pushed, a client focused in that aspect where the client kind of chooses how they want their rehabilitation to go. Um, I personally see that as a strength. I think um, generally speaking, people can be much more um, committed to something that they feel like they've had, um, I guess, a choice in how it's playing out. Um, so I think that's definitely a strength of YSAS. I think also just like sort of the the breadth of um, areas in which we offer is a, is a big strength. Um, I think having, for some people, you know, I've seen it, um, two weeks in a detox can be more than enough to change their habits and really snap them out of maybe just a bit of a funk they've been in for a, um, a period of time. Um, and obviously, yeah, a, a stay at rehab, I've seen how that can affect people's just general attitudes and like, feelings towards life which is yeah obviously beautiful and that's kind of why you do the work um so yeah i'd kind of say that they're sort of the main strengths of YSAS for sure yep, yep. um so the, the you talked about the breadth of the program so i think i might just take a little bit of time now just to talk about if anyone is interested in um accessing YSAS there's day programs as i said before and I'll give the um, the contact details at the end of the show. Uh, there's day programs operating out of Dandenong and Abbotsford. Uh, there's outreach at Abbotsford, Gippsland, Ringwood, Bendigo, Dandenong, Frankston, Sunshine and Preston. There's home-based withdrawal and primary health support. That's um, really good for young people that might have an ongoing illness or complicated uh, med- medication regimes taking methadone or some other um, pharmaceuticals, have dental problems and, and, and importantly that they have a safe home environment where that can be done, that withdrawal from their drug of choice. It's also residential withdrawal uh, programs, 
run out of Geelong, Glen Iris and Fitzroy. And uh, there is the residential rehabilitation, which Luke's been talking about. And there's also the Bunjilwara Koori Youth Alcohol and Drug Healing Service. Uh, that's based in Hastings. And uh, anyone interested in that too, if they contact YSAS, they'll get information about that. There's also specialist programs about um, helping with uh, youth empowerment, so giving uh, young people, I guess, a sense of agency. And there's also a uh, family support specialist worker that's based in Bendigo. There's a young parents program. So, look, there's, it's a really great uh, organisation, uh, as Luke said, with a very wide range of supports uh, for young people um, with complex uh, needs. Okay, so we're going to just probably just end up in a few minutes. So, Luke, would you tell us what sort of self-care would you recommend to young people uh, struggling with alcohol and substance abuse issues from your experience? Yeah, I think um, I think probably one of the most important things is sleep hygiene and having like um, having a bit of a routine on how you're going to try and fall asleep. I think. Um, one of one of the things I've noticed that people who get the best sleep um, at at rehab generally, and even not at rehab, I mean, just from personal life as well. When you have a better sleep, you're just way more engaged in the world. So I think that's like kind of one of the the first things I think I would personally try and do in that situation. Um, and like at work, definitely encouraging people to have that. So you know, whether that's um, for some people and for a lot of people coming into rehab, they're usually using their phones to fall asleep and that's something that we don't really encourage at, um, at work. Um, so having things like, you know, diffusers, like so that's something we offer everyone. Everyone gets a diffuser okay. with like oil and stuff like that. So just, you know, nice smells and like generally they usually have a white noise feature as well. Oh, okay. So it can just like sort of fill the room with a bit of a noise that can just help you drown off into sleep. Um so I would kind of say that that's sort of the first thing, sleep hygiene and also just general hygiene. I think um, getting into good habits with having regular showers and like keeping yourself clean and, you know, wearing new clothes, washing your clothes, like that sort of stuff I think goes a long way and just making you feel just a bit nicer, you know, and, and it, yeah, it definitely helps in your like participation in the program as well as just life, I think in general. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, so much, uh, it's about, uh, success in life's not all mystical stuff. It's just the basic stuff that, that you yeah. just mentioned. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> getting enough sleep and putting decent clothes on. Yeah. That absolutely. You feel okay in the next day. Yeah. Okay. And also the residential withdrawal programs here that run, running out of Geelong, Glen Iris and Fitzroy, they're offering things like art and music, gym, swimming, acupuncture, massage, relaxation. Again, all that's great uh, self-care that people can um, graduate into once they've taken care of getting enough sleep. It's hard to access that when you're too tired, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yep. All righty. Look, we might end there, Luke. Thank you very much for coming in. No, awesome. Thanks for having me on here. That's all right. So uh, that's about all we've got time for. The Youth Support and Advocacy Service can help if you have a if you are a young person listening and you've got mental health issues, uh, behaviours such as offending and self harm, as well as with drug and alcohol issues. Uh, you can contact the Youth Support and Advocacy Service or YSAS. If you would like to contact them, they're at level one forward slash one three one Johnson Street, Fitzroy. Their phone number is 94158881 or 
or you can visit their website at ysas.org.au. If you click on the contact tab, all the details are there. Coming up next, we have Balanoir, The Spirit of Wa, hosted by Uncle Taljim Choco Edwards. Join Uncle Choco on a journey of belonging and movement through sing-alongs and yarns. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay tuned now for more Radical Radio on 3CR. And to take us out, I will choose for you another song from the Underbelly <laughs> CD, um, which, I, as I said before, I'm playing from for no reason in particular, but it's got a few nice uh, upbeat tunes on it. Uh, here we go. We've got um, Billy Field with Bad Habits, which could be uh, topical. No, it's the angels, I'm afraid. The angels are coming on.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.